is back. Starving for attention is back. Hey, Jasmine. Yeah. Uh, remember when we used to make up our own ads? Oh, that was fun. Yeah, we were baby little podcasters. Uh, well, this is going to sound like one of those ads, but it's not. It's real. We've talked about it frequently this season on Starving for Attention. So if you've been listening, you'll know that I've developed my very own barbecue sauce with San Diego's Thresher sauce. And now we're launching our second sauce of the summer, Richard Blaze's California Red. It's a perfect accompaniment for everything. I mean, meat, veggies, whatever you got. If you didn't try my first sauce, Coffee Barbecue with tamarind, it's my take on a Kansas City style sauce that goes perfect with everything from grilled meat to tater tots. I'm on such a tater tot kick. That's right. I'm trying to bring the tots back. Hashtag bring tots back. So pick up a couple bottles of each for our loyal listeners of Starving for Attention. Thresher Sauce is offering 20% off now using the code STARVING20. That's S-T-A-R-V-I-N-G-2-0 for a limited time. That's STARVING20. Head on over to threshersauce.com. That's thresher as in the shark, sauce.com for a cool 20% off your purchase. And then hit me up and let me know what you're cooking. And I'll even do this, Jasmine. I'll judge it. I'll judge your food. Hit me up on the DMs with the picture of what you cooked with using Richard Blaze's barbecue sauce. And no, we don't have drones delivering it just yet, if you're wondering. Drone nuts. Drone nuts. Yeah. Oh, man, I miss drone nuts. R.I.P. What is going on, Jasmine Blaze? Not much. Busy busy day. Not In much. San Diego for one more day before we hit the road for our great American Southwestern road trip that we talked about briefly. That's right. Fun episode here. I'm coming in hot off of a phone call, so this is an unscripted part, and okay. I'm feeling a little Rachel Evan Wood. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to take that. There's so uh, many ways in which I could take that. Robotic, right? <laughs> um, I mean, I love, I love her. I think she's great. I've, we did. We just Westworld. watched uh, Showbiz Kids, and I think that's what you were referencing. It is. I am referencing Showbiz Kids. Showbiz Kids was on HBO. And it is a documentary about, you know, obviously kids in show business. And, you know, some of them were the mega famous ones that have gone on to be adults in show business. Um, and and what it kind of devolved into, we were joking that it just it devolved into people just whining. A little bit. A, a little bit. A little sure. bit. Not, uh, not all of it. Not all of it. But, yeah. but a little bit of it was that. So anyways, tell me which... Um, <laughs> She was one of the best. I mean, there were, it was now all I'm great confused. to get a Is it glimpse Rachel in. Evan Wood or Evan Rachel Wood? You, oh, my God. What did you just say? I, th- I said Rachel Evan Wood, but I probably got it wrong. Uh, you're going to have to pick up your phone and really check it out real quick. Apologies, regardless, um, which makes it just typical Richard Blay stuff if oh, I got really? it wrong. Anyway, yeah. um, but no, there was one moment and it was I a very- Evan Rachel Wood. Evan Rachel but Wood. But I'm not sure. <laughs> no, it, now you've like blanked my system. Well, so. It's the three names, Anyways, first of all, gives you much more street cred. From She's great. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's a, actually a very serious moment in the, in the show where she basically is revealing like the uh, systemic abuse of- Ah, Hollywood, right? Gotcha. So a very serious topic. So I'm, I'm joking when I say I'm in that type of moment. But it, she basically sums up the situation as there's just always someone ready to take the abuse, right? That that's mm. one of the problems, mm. right? Yeah. And um, Right, like if you're not willing to labor. do it, that someone else will do it. Exactly. And not even, I'm not even, I don't even think we're even right in this moment talking about like 
the really seedy side of showbiz kids, like assault and things like oh, that. Yeah, I think no. we're just talking about, oh, you don't want to smear this cake all over your face and act like a monkey? Well, guess what? There's 20 other kids in the hallway that will. So, Well, how did you know that that was the opportunity that I um, <laughs> just had a phone call with with my manager about? No, uh, but yeah, that's exactly kind of what's happening. There's lots of things happening or that are on the bubble, pardon the term. Uh, so I just got off a phone call and I'm feeling like, uh, sometimes you're just not always in the best situation where you have to, you feel like you have to say yes to everything. Uh, and I'm being so vague. I don't think we're in that position. That's good. Right now, at least. Yeah. Good. Well, good. I'm glad I'm coming straight off the call to a therapy session with you, Jasmine, because you always keep things, uh, real and breezy. I don't know about that, but all right. Okay. Well, do you, do do, I guess we can talk about it afterwards. Yeah, no worries. No, it's more, more. Just listen. Good problems to have. Uh, one of the other problems that I'm having. Mm-hmm. I have like uh, FOMO about like our garden not being as beautiful as Martha Stewart's, basically. Right. Well, that's silly, I guess. Right. Like, uh, I'm pretty sure Martha Stewart has a team of probably like 15 interns out there tending the garden right now in clogs and. <laughs> With kneel, kneeling pads and baskets and <laughs> something like, like that. Yes, yeah. there's cl- clearly a large property somewhere in Connecticut. I'd have to guess, and she's awesome. And, I guess uh, that's like uh, you know, if you want this to be a therapy session, we can talk a little bit deeper on this. Like, I think that maybe that is the the part of you that makes you great, but it's also the part of you that makes you mega anxious. Oh, for like, sure. I would never in a million years ever be like. Man, my garden's just not as good as Martha Stewart's. Uh, like I wouldn't even yeah. uh, that would never even enter into my mind to be like something to rank myself against. And and and, and listen, I'm using Martha Stewart as an extreme example, but Martha, just, Martha. you got a nice New England yeah, accent there. There it is, Martha. Uh, the vineyards. Um, yeah. So it's not really about her. It's just you know. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we've maybe have touched on that in the past. Uh, you want to be the best. You want to compete with everyone, and you want to compete with the people who are the best at the things that they do. In this case, when we're talking about home lifestyle and gardening, certainly Miss Miss Stewart is on that list. Yeah. Um, you uh, can't compete with her with pool selfies either. So I was going to say, go. wait, well, you know, well done. She's got you beat there too. Well done. The controversial, for no reason at all, uh, pool selfie. Thirst trap. That, that that's the best part about it is uh, I did read a little article again I've worked with her on set and it, it is truly like the, the the queen has arrived like I mean she's just such an iconic um, you know celebrity and, and symbol in the in the food and you know home lifestyle world right be careful you're gonna get another letter uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think that that was uh, you know uh, where, where was I going with this the I thirst thirst trap the Thursdays thirst, you read an article about Martha Stewart's oh, I read thirst trap apparently yeah, right like she took that's this selfie deep clickbait yeah she took a selfie in a pool that got lots of traction and like who is not taking a selfie poolside when they're in a pool like I mean sure so many people are so why should she get you know uh, why should people be Power throwing shade her. at her exactly Power to her she's like sixty plus right probably Look, looking and good looking dominating great. things nice glossy lip. Abs- and yeah, Let's and and it. and so I thought that that was you know uh, why 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 have a problem with that when everyone else is doing it? Okay, well that's your stress of the day. My stress of the day is that our car is almost full on this road trip, half with food and half with cleaning supplies, and we haven't put our actual like clothes and stuff in it yet. Oh, you always do this. Or now I think this probably uh, amped up a little bit because we're taking a trip and we haven't left the house in four and a half months. Right. Yeah. So, and, and even me, I was like, oh, I have to drive. And like, okay, I've been driving. It's not like we've totally been shut in. Right. But, I, you know, distance. <laughs> 
I haven't driven distance in a no. while. I haven't even been. We haven't even really been up to L.A. I know. So uh, we're heading towards Colorado through Utah. We talked about it last week, and you have anxiety because the car is not quite fully packed. I no, I have anxiety because the car is packed. Oh, I yeah. With like lots of food, and a cooler. And another cooler. Yeah, it's and food. then like bags of of like Clorox wipes and tissues and glo- gloves and masks and you know all the, all the stuff. Mm-hmm. It's food and uh, so, COVID related. It feels cleaning like supplies. a bug out car right now. To be honest, it feels like we're like getting the heck out of Dodge and like taking all our stuff with us. Remind, I know, no, we don't have any room, but we should make sure we put some of that like hiking gear, survival stuff. Yeah, in there. Yeah, that's on your list. That's got it. I'll bring the bug out kit, and we'll uh, make sure we have one of those filter tubes in case we get lost in the woods of Colorado and we have to drink from a stream somewhere oh yeah like a life straw you have one of those yeah i'm this is a weird a little segue i'm sorry one i'm i i feel your anxiety so i'm here to help you with whichever way we can uh one part is getting all a lot of the work done before we leave and have to you know try and figure out how to do wi-fi in the middle of uh the, the forest to send a photo for someone or something like that that we have queued up right um so i think we're doing a good job getting ahead there but i'm here for you no oh, thanks i'm worried that we're gonna see a bear this has happened to me a number of times when I get near areas that have bears. Have you ever seen a bear? No. Okay. So you're going to be fine. That's that's what I can tell you there. Statistics say you're going to be okay. Yeah, and I'm not worried, but this is a little different. I'm not worried. It's not like I'm worried about a bear attack. Did you see the video that's going around on Instagram of a bear like kicked open a door? Like, oh. Did you see that? It's like a recent video of a bear that came in the house. But like he kicks open it, like it looks like a, a Hollywood movie set. Like kicks open the door, the door frame flies off, there's a big puff of dust. He's like the bad cop comes, detective, like, rumbling in. And then they come in and they're like opening fridges and stuff like that. Like they're pretty. I did read that uh, if you have a door handle that's like the the lever type of door handle, like the not a turn like door handle, like a round one, but the type that are more rectangular and you kind of like like a classroom door handle is what I think of that as. Those bears can open really easily. Uh, As you would imagine. I guess so. Velociraptors too. Well, I hope we don't see those because we're doomed if we see a velociraptor. Uh, Yeah, I'm not worried about a bear attack. I don't – it's just a weird little thing like that I I have. I think it's a weird thing. I think you want to see a bear, which I think is different than like – I think you feel like summoning the bear and that's why you like to talk about it. I only have that power with – snakes and turtles i seem it says a lot i've gone through a couple moments in my life where like wow i've i've, I've seen <laughs> seen giant turtles everywhere or snakes and i i got the joke jasmine i get it yeah. um um so yeah heading out on that trip that's gonna be so much fun uh you yeah, mentioned to do though i gotta make some subs today i gotta make a, a ziploc bag full of banana pancakes i got stuff to do I know because again we're we're trying not to um, go to too many stores while we're away and just get away and get out in the woods of Colorado. You're gonna make some epic subs. You know who's um, just out in Colorado, kind of on a similar track as us, mm. Jenny Garth from Beverly Hills 90210. Was not again. Obviously, we do not rehearse these things. Uh, I remember the one time I did a segment with Jenny Garth. I, I did a I did a Food yeah. Network show with Jenny Garth. That's right. Yeah. Uh, early on, as a matter of fact, I remember it vividly because it was uh, it was guys versus Rachel's kids was the name of the show, and right. Jenny Garth was one of the judges. And it was I was the... really confused when you just said that because I was like, Rachel doesn't have kids. 
it was the show. I thought it was like guys' kids. Were, like, yeah. The way you said it, something well, about it if, made it if, not sound If that right. was the case, that would be a show. You know that 100%. Definitely. Uh, and it was the day that Rachel Ray told me that I um, – She liked my um, glasses. So I will never – that's like the one – Never. They never took them off since then. But no, yeah. I've been doing it lately. But um, right. So you're packing subs. And it, will there be some artisan charcuterie products on these subs? Well, there might be inspired by our guest today. Absolutely. Andre Mack. Uh, no spoilers, unbelievable time, great conversation, award-winning sommelier, restaurateur, entrepreneur. This guy's got a wicked resume. I uh, mean, in, in, it's well, amazing. Yeah. One of these people like, like I just, at this point in my career, doing some of the silly things that I've done and will continue to do. <laughs> um, just like you kind of bow to, you know, um, just like have that sort of um, fine dining pedigree and the experience that – you remember as a young – I remember as a young cook being like, wow, this is how you do it. You put this time in at that type of place. Uh, and he's done that and more and now is uh, really building a empire out in Brooklyn, opening up a number of uh, restaurants, ham bar. Not to mention a, a, a wine a, a, empire in Oregon. And Yeah. So, just, <laughs> so coast to coast, which yeah. is great. And I, I've always – I make fun of Psalms generally with the whole – you know, oh, they're pretentious and they use interesting vocabulary. But the ones that we talk to, yeah. and Andre especially, Bobby Stuckey was on an episode. They're not anything like that. No. I mean, I think the psalm as a caricature is like uh, amazing like artwork for like TV shows or, or movies or whatever. Like I think there is that just like character that you picture of like, you know, super uptight, whatever. Um, but yeah, like I don't think – I think that's an old – old guard yes right i think the new guard of people especially american psalms that are are coming up i think you know so so many of them that we know even personally like they're just young guys or girls that just love to drink wine and love to talk about wine and like want to make it more accessible i think that's one theme of like hey you don't want to drink this thousand dollar bottle of wine i have a twenty dollar bottle of wine that'll be amazing too you know and finding that that world in between agree i think that's a common thread and you had just mentioned like what is the stereotype like poster look sound of a sommelier it's like niles from fraser totally which is uh, a little bit of foreshadowing here which i don't think you're supposed to say when you are foreshadowing you do it all the time though (laughs) of course i do uh because i'm cheeky um and uh the 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 show fraser is going to come up in this and uh so many other like uh moments that you might not think of you know uh will come up in this episode and a lot of them are from uh, or were touched upon in this article in the New Yorker that featured Andre Mack yeah, guys, and his I new mean, restaurant. I, I I don't know why I still get the New Yorker. To be a hundred percent honest, I'm pretty sure I I got a, a subscription. I'm a hundred percent sure it ran out, but I have no clue why it still comes. Still comes every week, even in the pandemic. I can't catch up. <laughs> like it takes me much longer than a week to read one New Yorker. I don't know if you guys are familiar. Like the New York, the articles are dense. Like they're mm. dense. They're like books. Mm. One time I was on a plane and the gentleman next to me was like, whoa, what kind of magazine is that? Like, I'm pretty sure he was like trying to, you know, be coy and like say I wasn't reading like, you know, uh, glamour or ladies book or whatever. Okay. Like, cause it's a dense so magazine. So was he flirting or taking a shot at uh, you? I'm not sure. Uh, Who knows? Fair enough. Um, and the point is, is that this, epi- this, um, um, magazine is from june 22nd mm-hmm. and i think i was just reading it recently and 
and um, after reading that review, we were like, we gotta, we gotta get this guy on the podcast. Yeah, it was an in- so incredibly uh, inspiring article in the New Yorker. You can go find it. It's called it's uh, from the, the the review section where they do tables for two. Uh, Andre yeah, Mack and Sons, but it kind of goes into yeah. a little bit of just what he's doing right now, um, especially in the pandemic. And as far as the sandwich I'm making, I don't know. Do you think our family's up for a liverwurst and cream cheese? Just no. Really? I listen. There's there's only a few. Listen, I know as a chef, like liverwurst, like I um, ate liverwurst and cream cheese sandwiches uh, growing up, like an emulsified force meat. <laughs> Maybe more foreshadowing there. Uh, I know, and I know you love it. Uh, I am not a fan. I don't of know liverwurst. if I love it anymore. I loved it as a child. It's a childhood memory. I'm not sure if I were to eat it now, like on some white bread. In all it's fairness, all just you, squish. That's you were, <laughs> the only texture. Yeah. There is well, you were squish. also like we talked about your, you know, your love of mayonnaise sandwiches. So For it sure. does not surprise me. I like That's saying true. the word liverwurst. I was on an Instagram live yesterday, and I said, um, "Put potato chips on your salad," and it's pretty popular. Oh, and people were like, on. "Yeah, of course." Did you get a lot of hearts when yeah. you were doing it? Oh, no, it wasn't my Instagram oh, okay. live. I was on someone else's. Nice. So here yeah. we go. Uh, amazing episode. Uh, Andre Mack. Uh, hopefully we can get him back on the episode. That's how great uh, – on another episode. That's how great it was. Talking all things about wine, uh, food, life. Yeah, you should invite him on Food Court. I bet he'd, Ooh. he'd fight well for something. You Done. Gotta, you got to get Bobby Stucky. Well, the, well, well the, you know, the, I mean the issue that we want to do on Food Court – I'm surprised you brought, brought up the other podcast uh, – mm. is just generally red wine versus uh, white wine. Like just mm. just a basic wow. play, and that th- that's gonna be tough for Psalms. You know what I do love, and yeah. again, it's just like when you do ask them about like something specific, it's so hard. They they have so much knowledge, right? They, There's just so tasted so many things, right? There's just so many and so nuanced, and yeah, I think I think actually that generic of an argument you might not want a Psalm for. That that's might be true. really hard. Can we do the Gruner Veltliner uh, <laughs> versus, versus the Alsatian recently? Exactly. Yes. Here we go. Uh, the amazing Andre Mack. Where awesome. are we catching you at? Andre. In New York City, in Brooklyn, um, we decided to quarantine here just because this is where our family is, my family is, so to speak. Um, totally. Yeah, we thought about like sneaking away to Oregon, but it was just much easier to stay put here in New York. Amazing. Yeah, you are one of our, our, our first guests that are from New York that have that stayed in New York City. During uh, this. Yeah, no, but it was kind of that thing where I felt like, you know what, I'm just going to stay here. We have, you know, we had just, you know, pivot, you know, not really pivot, you know, we opened a wine bar up the street and it, um, you know, it was open for two months and then it ended up closing. And then I'm like, okay, I was already going to open a provision store next door. So let's just fast track it. So we fast tracked it and stayed. And, you know, our community has really supported us. So it's like, I don't want to run out. Right. You know, so like, we'll stay here. And, you know, that's kind of been it. Right. So then, you know, we own a wine store down the street. So we just we decided just to stick around. Got it. So real quick, not to be too focused on the pandemic, but as a native New Yorker and someone who uh, worked in some 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 big restaurants in New York City, what have been some of the main like just visual changes to the city or Brooklyn like during the there pandemic? There really hasn't been right. Like I mean, this is kind of the weird thing. It's like I just went into Manhattan last week for the first time since the whole thing started. So. And that was a little crazy, like, you know, coming in from the Battery Tunnel, like from that area down in the financial district and then like seeing lots of graffiti and stuff. Like, you know, like, holy shit, like what's happening over here? Like, like <laughs> where you're like, you're like where you're seeing the filming for the protesting and all that stuff happening. And Brooklyn, it's a little quieter, quieter. It's, you know, Manhattan's kind of, and if it's not in the neighborhood, neighborhood, then it's, 
you know, it's pretty dead, you know, like nomad. There's not like people hanging out in nomad, right? right? There was no like, no like lions had escaped from the zoo or anything. Like, it's not like an apocalypse movie yet there, right? Not, not at all. You know, it's rather quiet, which is great in, to, to some degree. It's like, you know, some protests that you will know, pass down some of our streets, which is like great kind of thing. And I think my kids went and protested at Grand, Grand Army Plaza. But, you know, that's where you see a lot of, in Brooklyn is where you see a lot of, that's where people who are still living there, right? They didn't leave the city. You know, they're raising their families and they're hanging out and that's kind of it so it's been kind of quiet it's not i think you know that the weird part of it is is that well at least a few weeks ago you could drive around the city without much traffic but there does seem to be a lot more activity as you can probably hear um, as cars are zipping by but there's a lot more uh, activity and a lot more uh people just out and about now so yeah, I like it's uh, it's like it's revealing the true neighborhoods of people who live there, right? Like you said, you're a nomad, and well, it's not tourists and people who are staying in those hotels. Correct, correct. You know, New York's kind of that interesting place too, right? You know, I had a friend once say, you know, during the summertime, New York is like filled with tourists and, and broke people, right? People who, who can't afford to, to leave, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Which I which I thought was kind of crass, but like also like kind of telling an interesting like, oh wow, okay, it's the people who actually still live there that actually live in the city um, that, you know, that, you know, the lifeline of the city that are still there, they're not going anywhere. And so it's a little bit different these days, but uh, it does, it feels good. The spirits, everybody's spirits feel good. Everybody's excited. You know what I mean? And, and it's kind That's of cool. weird too, right? Because it is summer, which is generally quiet in New York. That's true. Yeah. Well, it's, it's an amazing comeback. Story I want, I want right to backtrack now. to um, you said you fast tracked the little market, right. That you have. How hard is it? I mean, we've opened a couple of restaurants. How hard is it to fast track something, especially in the middle of a pandemic? Well, what was that like? Well, I mean, I had learned my lesson from Nextdoor where we used an architect and we had to follow all the paperwork. This place, this space was already, you know, outfitted in, in, in a way that, can, we, you know, we, we just needed like, you know, plumbing done, right? You know, we needed some plumbing. Got it. Okay. People, our cabinet guy down in West, um, I'm sorry, West Virginia, uh, in Richmond, Virginia, who had, you know, pre-built it there and then brought it up and installed it. And so uh, the hardest part was just more about getting product, I guess. Mm, yeah, of course. Like, you know, you're ordering things from, you know, it takes a little while because, you know, FedEx and those kind of things. But other than that, it, it, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. Right. Um, wow. And so, you know, that felt that felt great. Right. It felt like yeah. for me, you know, the cure's always been in the work. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it could be on fire, but like. I'm going to go to work, right? You know what I mean? I can be I love that. from my apartment, but it's, it's always been that for me. It's like, you know, I'm just going to bury my head. And I'm going to do, go do this work and we'll figure it out in the end. Uh, and, you know, it's different when it's something that you love and it's like, you know, it's not like work. You know, the yeah. exactly. word is a bad word in my, in my household. And when I say the V word, that's vacation. We don't do, <laughs> we don't do, you know, I, I never, we don't call it vacation because I'm never on vacation. So you know, so the kids will go and do their thing and my wife will go and, you know, I'll sit there. You know, it's kind of like, you know, every time like we get, we get ready to go on the plane, my wife's like, hey, you're traveling with your family. You're not traveling alone. So maybe you should go get a Bloody Mary, calm down <laughs> and rejoin us when you, when, you, when you feel that like you're, huh. you're calm. Right? And you're like, oh, yeah. You're some, of this, some of this sounds really familiar. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm like, I'm, like does it, I'm looking back, I'm looking at your bio, Andre. I'm like, does this go back to Thomas Keller? Like, what, what did he do to you guys? What's, yep. what's happening? No, it's just, you know, you're used to traveling on your own, right? And so you're used to like, it's like this, I'm hit the lounge. Like, you know, I'm yeah. 
down. And then, you know, all of a sudden your kid is saying something like, what are you guys doing? You know, but, you know, but we've gotten, I've gotten better at it. You know, and actually this is the longest, I think it's been, yeah, in a decade that I haven't been on a plane. You know, generally I get on a plane every single week. And so that's been really interesting for me. And I think that that allows me to live in New York a lot longer, right? You know what I mean? Mm. Like I get to leave enough to, to really appreciate it, right? You know, it's like before, you know, I'm yelling at old ladies, hey, I need to get off the train first. I get on, you know, this is how this works. I get off first, then you can get on. You got to let the people off, right? And then you're like, man, I'm such an asshole. And then, <laughs> and then you leave and now I'm in Colorado and, you know, I'm going to get a coffee in the morning and the woman's like, how's your day? I was like, how about you make the coffee first? And then ask me how I did I'm a New York castle. It's like, I'm yeah. New York. And so it's this balance that I feel like, that, you know, that I'm constantly juggling to, to, uh, to have a, you know, to have some type of normalcy kind of thing. But, you know, I haven't had a chance to, to really do that, um, to leave. But, you know, I mean, I just work. I just work. I mean, that, you know, like, you know, I want to build something, you know, I, I'm working. I'm constantly doing something. And so I feel like that occupies my time that I don't have time to worry about stuff that I can't change, so to speak. Well, I love that. And, and, and one of the reasons why we're on with you today is because I, you're, the article that was about you and your newest projects in The New Yorker uh, was incredibly inspiring to, I think, both of us um, because it was, you know, it was it obviously came out during the beginning stages of what this crazy pandemic was, but the article wasn't about doom and gloom and not pivoting and wow, we're all in trouble. It was about this awesome place that's got a, that's a handbar with an award-winning winemaker sommelier. And it was probably, I'm getting goosebumps actually, as I say this, but it was like probably to me the first like, oh, this is normal. This is what articles are about and new restaurants. And uh, so I just want to say thank you so much for the inspiration that that article no, gave No, thank us. you. It was great. You know, it's just, I just wanted to open something that my neighborhood could be proud of. Right. That, you know, that's kind of it. You know, I think living in New York, we've I've always lived on the fringes. I didn't make much money. So you lived in neighborhoods where you could afford the rent, but it didn't come with all the bells and whistles. So there were really I wasn't spending any money in my neighborhood to go eat. You know, I was going to other neighborhoods and doing those kind of things. And, you know, that exercise that we all played where if we had all the money in the world, you know, I'd open a restaurant over here, over there. I'd put a wine store, like all those kind of things. And we kept moving to different neighborhoods that were on the fringes and you started to see those things be realized. Um, and then finally, when we moved to this neighborhood, it was kind of that thing where you saw it happening. And then when we got an independent bookstore, I was like, okay, they're not opening independent bookstores in the lot. They're ready. Like, this is time. And you know, it was just one of those things where I wanted to contribute, me and my wife, wanted to contribute to the narrative of the neighborhood. Like, like what do we have the offer to offer this neighborhood in the way of like what we do for a living? You know, how can we impact this, you know, the change, right? You know, like, like, and so we thought, hey, we, we work in hospitality, you know, or we did at one point. And, and the idea was like, let's do that. Let's do that. And I think for a lot of our neighbors, they were surprised because they never knew what we did, right, <laughs> at all. Like, you know, just kind of like, oh, hey. You know, they thought my wife was a single mother of four because I was never around. And, um, you know, so it's, it's been a really great chance for me to, to, to know my, get to know my neighbors. And, and that's been really fun. I love it. Now, listen, real quick, yeah, you um, have been part of three Michelin star restaurants and like the highest of the, of, of the high when it comes to like fine dining. Going back, not just obviously this project, but when you first sort of started doing the more neighborhood, this is mine concepts, 
what were some of like, for me, it was as a chef who worked in three Michelin restaurants uh, when I first was paying for the ingredients and I realized I can't afford caviar <laughs> and I can't afford uh, foie gras, but I tried, I got so upset that I couldn't do these things. Um, what were some lessons that you had to learn as like an award-winning um, song? You know, I think for me, it was probably more on the, like on the wine list part where it was like, I was used to buying anything and everything that came across my desk. Right. And, but I was spending someone else's money. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll, mm -hmm. take that, I'll take that. I'll take that. But you know, when you have skin in the game, it changes everything. It changes, yeah. it changes everything. And, and, and you care a lot more about, you know, the $60 stems that you have on the table, which, you know, which is something that I decided that I wanted to, I wanted to have, like, you know what I mean? It's 20 seats. And I felt like with 20 seats, like, why not just spend the money? Right. And that's kind of how I felt about how I feel about it, too. Right. You know, where I felt like, OK, I'm not spending someone else's money. I'm spending my own. But like I want to drink here, too. So I'm, we're going to have these glasses. For me, it was more about like purchasing the product. Like so purchasing wine was a real hard thing for me in that sense, because I was used to just buying anything that I wanted. It, you know, I was caught in this place where I felt, I've always been a believer. You have to actually have it to be able to sell it. Right. So you can't sell a seven hundred dollar bottle of wine if you don't have a $700 bottle of wine on your wine list. And, um, and so we do, right? <laughs> so I, I did splurge a little bit in, in some of those areas, but the, the hardest thing too was just, you know, trying to compromise with myself and saying that we don't need all of this. You know, in my mind, what I think is cool is to have a 400 square foot restaurant, but the cellar is actually bigger than the restaurant, right? Which is the boiler room underneath the, you know, in the basement. I'm, I'm envisioning you as a, sort of the sports analogy. You have this 2,500 bottle list that you're coming from at some point, and you're having these tough conversations with different varieties of wine that you can't bring on the team. Yeah, you're going to have to set this one out or, you know, we're trying to figure out different ways. It was hard to, also because I, I want I to be inclusive in the neighborhood. You know, sometimes I, I think that people like to go to places where they feel that they can buy anything, even though they wouldn't spend it. You know what I mean? I feel, I feel sometimes that like they don't want to go to a place that there's bottles of wine for $3,000, but everything by the glass is under, is under 15, right? You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of a, you know, for me, it'd be different because I was like, hey, I want to, I want to eat and drink there. I want to check it out. But I think some people have a problem with going to a place, you know, where, where it's like, hey, you know, I'm not spending my money on that. I can't, I can't afford that but you actually can afford an experience in this place. And I just didn't want to scare people away in that, in that sense. I feel like that's, again, not being a Psalm and, and not even being anywhere near an expert. Um, uh, Jasmine's the Psalm in our family. Um, that's probably, that has to be the, the toughest part of sort of bridging the gap and making, because I know that you're all about, you know, uh, wine for everyone and, and all price points and all varieties, but sort of breaking down that perceived elitism. Fair. How do you go about um, that? You know, I think just, you know, I'm there every night and I think that they see me. You walk into the place and you see me there. Like, you know, we're like dancing or we're like, you know, we're pouring wine. Like, I mean, just the fact that like, you know, someone comes in and I was like, hey, it's going to be like, I don't know, two minute wait. As I'm handing them glasses of, of, of bubbly and people are like, what? Right. They, 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 I mean, they're like, are you sure? Like we, we're not even sure that we will stay. I was like, well, cool. Then you got it on the house. Like what difference does it make? You know? So I think, I think it's co conveyed in the, in the, in the service style. Uh, and you can really feel it in the, um, in the atmosphere. Like, you know, when you come in, you understand that like we we're serious about what we do, 
but we don't take ourselves too serious in that in that sense of like mm. like it's in the work right mm. that when you see it on the plate or on the plate you understand what it's about like that's where it is but other than that all the other stuff is just just the other stuff and so you know i'm not you know i guess the way that we talk about wine and the way we address it you know it's you know it's all casual in a way that that i i, I hope that makes feel other people feeling you know comfortable what are some of your um, biggest pet peeves when it comes to the vocabulary used to describe flavors? Like for me, it's like, I, you know, the, the Psalm who's like, there's a little garden hose in this and. <laughs> I totally can taste garden hose though. I know what yeah. that tastes like. Of course. I mean, it was always like, we used to call it country water. You know, I'm from Texas. You're like, oh, that's that good country water. Cause they had a brand new hose. <laughs> You know, yeah. so everybody would say, hey, this tastes like hot water tastes in the country. And you're like, really? You know, I'm not, I'm less of that. Like, I think, you know, it's always funny to me. You know, I remember one guy's like, oh, this tastes like a little guava skin. And I was like, guava skin? Like, I don't, I mean, I don't even know if I know what the fuck that is. You know what I mean? So, I mean, we all have our own talk. And to me, I always find it kind of comical. But you're like, you know, I remember, where did we go? We went someplace in, um, we were in France. And, um, you know, I ordered something off the wine list. It was like in... I think it was like 1986 Santonet. So Pinot Noir, blah, blah, blah. I know I had never heard of the producer, but we were like, hey, let's drink a little something old. We saw something old. So the guy comes out and he says, um, he goes, oh, he goes, I recommend it being decanted one hour for each decade. And at that point I was like, get the fuck away from my job. Well, just leave it in the decanter right here. Just, yeah. you know, I'm sure he's looking at me, you know, it's just me, my wife and our three small children. You know, and they're, and they're kind of like, well, what are they doing? You know, so it's always, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't get that upset about a lot of stuff. You know, and the, and the pet peeve thing was just like, oh, you think because we're Americans that, and you're French that you know more about wine than us? That's fine. You know, this wine would be dead in 30 minutes if you took the top off of it. Like, just, just leave it, you know? I, I just try to be good hearted and, and have fun. And I think that that's displayed in our work and the, and the joy that, that, that we have, you know what I mean? Like, you know, so people can see that when they walk in, they're like, oh, wow, like, you know, you know, we might be serious up and through that. Like, if you come in and we're not open, you know, we're working right here, <laughs> right? right? Like, that's what we're, we're working. We're really working hard so that we can have fun when the doors open, you know, later tonight. But, you know, I just, you know, and, and you know that, right? Like, it's, it's serious. Like, no one's cracking jokes. No one, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I always said, you know, TK had a sense of humor and everybody's like, what? And I was like, well, dude, he's not back there, like, telling jokes and slapping his knee. But, you know, it's displayed in his work and, and on the menu and how he looks at things. But, you know, there's nobody back there laughing, right? But, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? But they're, they're perceivably having fun. You know, we, we're not that serious, but like we, you know, we want to be serious about our craft, but we also want to want to have fun. And, 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 and I think that's displayed. You'll see when you come. You'll see. Excellent. Yeah, whether it's uh, whether with uh, it's humor or discipline, sometimes it's the things that are not said. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, now, listen, you just mentioned uh, Texas, and there are a couple of just words in that New Yorker article that just struck me as like, I, we, we have to hang out. And, and, and two of them were uh, Red yeah. Lobster comes up in this article. Uh, and I'm going to just try and make the quick connection. Is there the cheesy, garlicky uh, biscuit and ham this should come together. If it's not on, if there's not a biscuit, ham, champagne thing happening, there's, a, there's a biscuits. Uh, there's not a cheesy biscuit, but there there are biscuits. No, no okay. red lobster was like, 
always something that was near and dear to me. You know, it's like, like when I got, when I remember my report card came out, it was always, that's where we went, you know? So for every A I got, I got a half pound of crab legs. Right? That's amazing. My pops would be like, you know, I'd hate cracking these damn things for you, but you got an A. So, but the, you know, that was kind of always my, my thing. And like to work there, it was just always, you know, I didn't learn anything about wine, but I think, you know, what a lot of those, those early jobs and working at kind of, you know, lower tier food places in a way, you know, they, it made me realize that, that I wanted to work with people. I wanted to be in front mm -hmm. of people because, you know, later I left and went to go work in finance and that kind of sucked. I felt like I was missing something from my life. And um, the idea that you get to, to witness instant gratification, you know, mm -hmm. as soon as I walk up to the table, I can see how you react to me or, or I can bring you something or turn you on to something or just a conversation. It was just, and you never know what, know, knew what to expect. And that's what, and it was chaotic. And I loved that part of it. And that was something that was missing. And I, and I realized that like working at a place like Red Lobster really showed me that. And then the wine thing came a little bit later after that. And then, you know, I kind of put the two together and say, hey, well, you know, I know I already know how to be a waiter. And, you know, maybe I should just work in restaurants that actually have a, a real wine list. And, you know, that was kind of the start of it. That's amazing. Amazing. We, all, we are all just trying to make people happy. Now, mm -hmm. someone who would not st set foot in a Red Lobster... <laughs> Besides Jasmine, because of a seafood thing, but I'm yeah. just throwing her under the bus. Well, my, my uh, uh, when I got good grades, I would get to go to the like Chinese restaurant in town and get like another layer on the poo poo platter, basically. Like I cut, you know, one A, I get like you know the ribs. Yeah. Two A, I get the fried wonton. You know, like it just kept going up. So that's a lot of A's. Lot I know, A's. I know, yeah. I know how smart you are. Uh, but you know who would not go to Red Lobster is Frasier, yes. the, uh, the fictional character who gets brought up in this article as well as sort of being maybe someone who inspired you. Absolutely. Um, it was that show. You know, those guys, those two pompous brothers, they just seemed like they were having so much fun in life. And somehow I connected that to wine or maybe even it was just to drinking. You know, I remember the episode where Frasier, I mean, uh, Niles comes over and Frasier says to him, he says, hey, uh, would you like a scotch? And he goes, no. He goes, do you have sherry? He goes, yes. And then that started the ritual. Every time he'd come over, he said, you fancy a sherry. You know, I was like 27-year-old, 27-year-old drinking sherry. My mom's like, what do you think? You're like an old white man? Like, what's wrong with you? Right? <laughs> so it's like, you know, so it, it, it just gave me, it, it gave me the courage to actually walk into a wine shop for the first time. Right? You know, um, you know I think like... Is that because you had like the... The, the lingo or just you just no no I think I think when you when you when you walk by, I've walked by a wine shop it's pretty intimidating like you kind of understand mm -hmm. the stereotypes or of, of, of the pretentiousness that kind of go with that and then when you walk yeah. you don't see anybody that looks like you and you're like well maybe this is not for me and then but you know I always felt, felt like the greatest foil to pretension is humor and if I could arm myself with a few comedic anecdotes or something like that that somehow I would be protected. You know, it's like, you know, I walked into the store and I was like, oh, wait a minute, they're pouring samples. Okay, all right. So I go up to the table with a little cup. He pours me a little bit. And as soon as I turn around, there's somebody right there. And, I'm, and I didn't know they were there. And they're like, how is it? And I'm like, oh, fuck. Um, um, um. And, and all I can remember to say was, well, it's no Chateau de Kim. And then the guy started busting up laughing and then we just move on, right? Yeah. One, at the point, I didn't know that Chateau de Kim was sweet. Uh, that it was that expensive that that no one would ever sample it right you know what i mean and, you know and, and they all laughed 
you know, and I came back the next day, right? And so that it just kind of gave me the courage to, to go into the store. Never did I think that I was going to do what I'm doing now from watching that show. It was just like, hey, they're having fun. Maybe you should have wine in your life. Uh, and then, you know, it, in all things I kind of get involved with, you know, they kind of escalate. And hmm. so I really got into to studying about wine and that, you know, that was it. Uh, now let's talk, uh, you have another connection to Jersey, right? And uh, this is, I'm embarrassed to say this because I'm a native New Yorker. So I'm familiar with the tri-state, yep. uh, you know, like that, that these are my people, but I don't really know what a Taylor pork roll. Oh is. yeah, man, dude. So it's, it's shit, man. I mean, it's hard. It's, it's, it's not baloney, but it kind of is. It comes in this wrapped up and you, you treat it like fried bologna. Like, so the only reason why I knew to fry bologna is because I thought it was similar to to Taylor ham and how you cook Taylor ham, you cut the splits in the side so it doesn't bubble up. But you know, it's a, it's the, it fills, it's, you know, it's a, a, a coarser uh, kind of mouthfeel than like say bologna is to some degree. Um, but it's amazing, it has all the spices in it. I mean, it's like the absolute best thing ever. And they would only, the crazy part is at one point, it was only sold like, you know, locally in the tri-state area and then, and then like Texas. But, so now you can buy it, you can find it, and it's not in the, you know, it's pre-sliced now, but before you would buy it, like, you know, look like a little bologna, about like this big around, and you slice it however thick you want it. But it was amazing. And you go to all the diners in New Jersey, and you can, you can get, you know, Taylor pork, you know, totally, you know, the whole thing is, is it Taylor ham, or they call it Taylor pork roll? Yeah. And, you know, and quick story, it was funny, we used to have this, um, we used to have a table that used to come into, per se, all the time. And, um, it was an older mother and like uh it was you know she was an older older woman with her two sons who were actually older than me so they were probably like late you know late 40s early 50s and um they would come in stay at the uh, carlisle hotel and then they would eat for like three or four days and then they would go back to new jersey and i remember i was over to her talking to the wine list and she's like she goes where are you from and i was like new jersey and she, uh, I said, Trenton, New Jersey. And she looked at me, she goes, don't ever tell anybody the truth again, right? Don't ever say that. And then we start, I started laughing and she's like, no, I'm from there too. <laughs> and so we started talking and they, they own Taylor Pork Roll. They own that company, come to find out. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, uh, we started, yeah, we, you know, so they lived in Princeton, but, they're, but where they made it was in Trenton is where I, you know, where I, where I was born. And, um, so it was really funny, but they were. So, so did they call it Taylor Pork Roll or do they call it Taylor Ham? They call it uh, Taylor Pork Roll. All right. Well, then that's solved. <laughs> right. Now, Jasmine, we have a, we're going on a road trip. So we think that you're also an expert. Wow. Uh, Jasmine just realized that she's fallen in love with ham during yeah. the pandemic. Yeah. I don't know what happened. Uh, it's, it's very interesting. And we're trying to make the ultimate ham sandwich, right, Jasmine? The question is, well, and it, yeah, it's we uh, have a road trip coming up and uh, the kids we, during this pandemic, we just the other day made like a giant sub and we don't usually make that, you know, they have like normal like grilled cheese sandwiches and stuff like that. But we decided, got a big baguette, made a big sandwich. Um, so we're going to make two for the road trip. So tell me, Andre Mac, yeah. what your giant sub build yeah. would be. Oh, my God. You know, I'm 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 kind of simple on that. You know, for me, it's just. Mm -hmm. We do butter. Yeah. Um, do you know? I mean, in my idea, it's butter, it's pickles, it's ham and cheese. That's it. Ooh, 
That's yeah, but you also broke people with butter because that's like still an inside yep. thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, and the, or, or the flip side, right? Like, like we don't for grilled cheese sandwiches, we use mayonnaise, not butter. That's the hack, right? Right, because you get a longer burn time or contact time, right? People are like, so I th- he says, Pop, I want I want grilled cheese. Like, why do you have the mayonnaise out? I was like, Aha, little grasshopper. I'm gonna show you, you know, I'm gonna show you. But you know, so for 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 us, we're just we're just like like really great bread, and then we're just and then we're just butter, and then the meat and cheese, and then you know some acid. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and if we were gonna go the other route, it's more it's it's not mayonnaise. It's probably you know, oil and vinegar, olives, lettuce, tomato kind of thing. Um, and, and a little bit more, more uh, a little bit more like sausage, you know what I mean? Like salami, that kind of meat. Um, but we don't, yeah, we don't do the, I don't do the triple decker or any of that other kind of stuff. No, I'm, you don't, I'm, you don't need it. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty simple with it. You know, every now and then we might like, you know, we might make a sandwich where we just, you know, rip off, you know, we've been doing like duck confit. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of use that, you know, that kind of thing, but that's Simple. it. I like it. Simple. Now, do you find the, uh, in the ham world, um, like uh, being a Psalm and then talking about like pairing and flavors with ham, I'm assuming it's pretty, pretty similar, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. We've, we've had so much fun with it. You know, that the idea of, you know, and, and what I'm doing is not new, right? There's, there's ham bars all over Spain. Like, you know, you know, they're famous, you know, to me, I like to call them their, it's like their version of fast food. Mm-hmm. Like you walk in and they hand you a plate. Right, you have a quick glass of wine. You don't even need a chair to sit down. Right, they they do their thing, and then they walk off. Right, um, and so f- for us, I just I just wanted to compare the two and say, hey, we've been making hams in America for over a hundred years, and we've been making wine for you know over fifty years, something like that. Like, let's put the two things together. And the fact that like there's regional, I love it when people come in and they order several different hams and like, wow, this tastes way different than this one, and. And I was like, yeah, because this is what you do in North Carolina versus what did you do in Tennessee versus Virginia. And they're like, wow, this is amazing. And, you know, and, you know, and also there's a, you know, it's a sense of pride too, right? Where, that I always felt like, you know, that if you, are, if you talk to any Italian guy, of course, he's from Italy. They make the best of everything, right? You know what I mean? And like, like, you know what I mean? They're like, oh, yeah, of course, this is the best. This is, this is the best. You know, and when you go... When you're in Italy, you, you, if you went to a restaurant, that restaurant probably wouldn't have wine from Spain or France, right? Because because there's they think there's better, and I just wanted to kind of put the, the two together and be able to like talk about like you know the the, the diversification of ham just within the United States mm-hmm. that we didn't even know that we had, and like everybody knows prosciutto and they know like how much it costs, but like if if we had to put a price on it, these are small artisanal guys, they cost way more than, 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 than some of these other things. And, you know, the key was for me was I was talking to a, a farmer friend of mine in Ohio, and he was saying that his number one export market is Austria and Italy. He said that Italy couldn't keep up with the world's demand for, for prosciutto. Wow. And so I was like, so wait a minute. They're buying hogs from us in Ohio. We're shipping them all the way over there. And then just for them to ship them back to us. Right. And I was like, OK, you know, if our hogs are good enough for what they're doing there, then they're definitely good enough for what we're doing. Um, and so I've I've had a great time being able to to taste them and share share that passion with everybody else. There's, what I realize is that there's chefs everywhere that have some illegal project going, you know, you know what I mean? Like we used to fight with the chefs all the time because they were curing something. And I was like, dude, 
pan is leaking onto this eight thousand dollar right. bottle. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Right? It's messed up the label. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have opened up too many closets <laughs> to find interesting projects. Yeah. Something suspended uh, from the roof. Yeah, definitely. Andre, have you found yourself then in the ham game, saying things like uh, terroir and there's a little acorn on the back palate. <laughs> yeah, you know, you talk about like the reason why they taste this or the reason why you have that is because, you know, they're, they're, the hogs are finished with this or this is how they do that. You know, one of our new favorite ones is Lady Edison, which uses no smoke, right? It's from North Carolina, but it, it, it has this funkiness to it. And, you know, and people are like, what, really? Like you describe it as funky? And I was like, taste it. And they're like, okay, but that's a good funk, right? So yeah, so the vocabulary is changing. I haven't come up with my own slang yet. But it's 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 coming, it's coming real soon on how to describe. <laughs> I love it. There'll be T-shirts and listen, Barnyard Funk. That could be another band we can launch. Yeah, that is true. That is I think that'll work. Uh, this is a viewer, que uh, listener question. Actually, it's not. It's mine, but I don't. It's an embarrassing one. Uh, <laughs> what is the most expensive and/or the oldest bottle that you have opened, and what did the, and what if there's any stories about that? Um, Oldest bottle I had ever opened was a bottle of 1922 Vegas Cecilia. Uh, and how'd that go? Uh, you know, they had, you know, it was really, right. They had two bottles and it was for, I want to say 40 people, 50 people. And so this was a, an event called the wine wines of the century. And basically it was a group of people. Um, I think you paid if the cost for entry was $25,000. It was over three days, I think. And you had these amazing dinners. I think one was at uh, Crew in New York, which when Crew was around, uh, you did Per Se, and then I think you did a Daniel, Daniel Ballou. But you, and then it was led by this world famous taster um, named Bitman Desai. But, you know, so I'm opening the bottle and you're like, holy shit. And so they, they would do this thing because everybody, you know, most of those people were couples that would come, right? So, you know, you would come with another guest, but you would, um, you know, you pour one taste, you know, one bottle for each as it was one taste in front of everybody. It was just, it was just the craziest thing because you realize that if you spilt it or dropped it, there was no more. Yeah. Right. You're right. And, you know, yeah, so we pressure. just came with a high stakes on, on that, but we pre-poured. It was, it was great. The wine was, was amazing. Actually, I, it's, I think it's one of the wines that I talk about in my book. Um, well, we talk about, you know, the 99 bottles that kind of shaped my life and, you know, Vegas Cecilia, this opening, this 1922 bottle of wine was just like, you know, it's just mind blowing when you take a few steps just to think about that year. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, when you start to think about like that, you know, and, and also the, the surreal part is, is that, you know, you know, did I, I didn't even have rights. I was still considered one fourth a person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, it's like, you know, it, it's just sometimes it's just crazy to like to think about like what was happening when they made this wine um and and you know and here i am right and here i am holding it opening it and serving it uh to these guests it's like and a time so, capsule right yeah absolutely it's a snapshot of a moment in time for mm. sure yep that's amazing love it what about the most expensive bottle or would that be that as well yeah i don't know if that would be considered the most expensive one i think it was 1960 no it was 1945 um mouton rothschild out of magnum so magnum's larger format bordeaux yeah. tends to 
longer, so it's more expensive. And I think that was over, over a couple hundred thousand or so, something like that. Wow. Well, that blew uh, my mind. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It was, that part was always interesting to me, like, you know, yeah. what people cho- chose to, to, to spend it on. And like, I don't know if we would ever see that again. Right. You know, that was like, oh, five, you know, that was kind of like the golden age in some ways where you're like, wow. And, you know, rightfully so right before like social media like took off. Right. Because the idea of like taking photographs of bottles of what guests had just seemed like a no like I mean, one, you would have got fired if you had your phone on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, four. Right. But like, like you know, you're, I mean, no questions asked. But the idea of taking pictures of photos that that guests had like, you know, that kind of thing. So, but yeah, you know, that, you know, the amount of money in, that, that you've seen, you know, people, you know, it's just been amazing. It's crazy. It's yep. Well, what do you think uh, as we get near the end here, what are some of your hot takes on the future, especially under our circumstance of the wine world? Uh, and is there anything positive that you see coming down the road here? I mean, I think it's all positive, right? I mean, I just want, I, you know, to come back, you know, for me, I felt, I felt lucky because it was deemed an essential business, right? You know, so it's like, you know, and it's true, right? You know, you know, people drink to drown their sorrows and people drink to celebrate. And so within that, it's, it's kind of, you know, I don't want to say recession proof. I mean, I'm trying to, yeah, find some wood. Right. Um, but, you know, um, you know, I'm excited about all of it. You know, I'm excited about the conversations that people now want to talk about, um, you know, and, you know, I think the, the Black Lives Matters and all those things, like, I think those are always great conversations to have. Amazing. But, you know, what I tell people is I've been black 47 years of my life. It's just, it just, you know, people want to say, well, how is it being in a, in a really white industry? And I'm just like, mm-hmm. I'm in a really white country, right? <laughs> right? Like, I mean, it's the same. It's no difference. It's the, the same thing, you know, the same things that I face being in this industry is the same things I had to face when I was seven, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, and, and not to be, to say that, like, you know, I've, I've dealt with it and I'm, I'm over it kind of, kind of thing. It's just more like, hey, like, it's no different. Like, to ask me that is, you know, is, is kind of a dumb question. But I get it. People are trying, are trying to learn about what, what's happening and what's going on. And, and for me, it's just, you know, I want my work, I want to be judged off my work like any other artist. I don't want to be singled out. I want to be singled out because I'm great at what I do. I don't want to be singled out for what I look like, hmm. unless, unless it's a looks competition. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? But, you know, you know I'm a prideful person. And, and you know, it, somehow, some days it, it, it bothers me in that way where I feel like it's a handout. Right. You know, you know, and I'm an optimistic person, you know, so, you know, I called my therapist when we talked it out and, you know, and the whole idea of like, okay, this is, you know, it gives me the story I have to tell myself, this gives me the opportunity to let all these new people who have found us to show them why we're fucking awesome. Right. Right. Why we're innovator in the space and, and that kind of thing, you know, um, and I'm always careful about like the black owned thing. Right. Because I feel mm-hmm. a lot of times is that, to non-people of color, they when black businesses are deemed black means that they were made for black people. And the mm-hmm. fact of it is that it's not, right? Yeah. I made a fine for everybody and, and everybody who wants to enjoy that. And, and to be honest, the success that I've had over the last 12 years is not because I made the wine, it's, it's because people like me were drinking my wine. People who drink wine were drinking my wine. And you know, so it's always just been you know, an interesting thing. I'm excited 
you know, for a lot of it. I think, you know, at the beginning of COVID, it was kind of like, you know, the lockdown and the quarantine thing. You know, I think we just all drank. You know, we were just drinking every night. Then it would just creep up, you know, earlier and earlier, right? It's like, oh, we're having two glasses of wine, which yeah. a whole bottle for lunch. And then, you know, we started drinking martinis at three, right? And it was kind of this thing. And then as, you know, as that, and then the riots started to happen, I was like, well, this seems like a real pivotal thing. Like, you know, we're all kind of poo-pooing 2020, but maybe this is something that great that actually comes about. And maybe I should be present for this. Mm-hmm. I realized at that point that it was something that I didn't want to, I didn't want to drink my way through. I didn't want to smoke my way through it. Right. You know what I mean? I, I wanted to be present with my kids. I wanted to be able to watch it and explain what was happening and, you know, and, and checking out their observations. So, uh, you know, I guess my hot take on the wine industry is that, that we've all been there, right? We've uh, all the people that now that you want to recognize, we've been there, we've been doing our thing. We just want to be included in everything else. We don't want to be, we, we don't want something for free. I've never wanted that, right? You know, I just want, you know, I just, you know, I just want to be a part of it, right? You know, it's like, you know, last year we basically stopped doing interviews for diversity, yeah. right? Because my thing was, is that I believe that I deserve the right to be on that, that show, right. right? To talk, to talk about, to talk, to talk about what I've done, not like for you to ask me, what can the industry do about diversity? I'm like, well, shit, hey, it's not, to be honest, it's not really even my problem. Right, because because the fact that yeah. everybody else has a problem. I was born this way. There's nothing I can do about this. It didn't wash off. None of that shit. Right. So it's other people who have a problem with the way that I look, which means it's really their problem. Like, like, I mean, it sucks. You know, I mean, it, it, you know, I'm I'm put at a disadvantage because of other people's problem with the way that I look. But like, it's not it's not my problem. And so and you know and so I you know I always talk tell people it's like no I deserve the right to be on the show regardless for the things that I, that I do. You know I mean? We didn't ask Thomas Keller. I mean, and obviously I'm not, you know, compare myself to him in that way, but you don't have, like, that's who you should ask. Hey, how, you know, how are we going to do fixed diversity mm. in, in, in restaurants? Yeah. Right? Well, and and I, think, I, I think a lot of those questions are getting turned around to people now. Right. And I no. love, I love what you said about, um, about how you want to be present for this moment, because I think the reason this moment's happening is because so many people are present right now, right? Well, you know, and this is the deal is I don't, I don't, I don't think that when we talk about you know MLK when they were marching, a lot of people were just in the moment. They didn't realize that you know, like like we're like, well, wait a minute, you know, it's like that. I think there's a meme where they're saying you always wonder what you would do like what was happening in like like 19, you know 1776. Well, no, this is it's happening right now. Like you know what I mean? It's like if you're not doing it already, then you wouldn't, have, you know what I mean? Like that we know the magnitude of, of how big a moment in history this will be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and, you know, it's like, you know, you know, it's like your great grandkids would be like, so what were you doing? And you're like, um, you know what I mean? You're like, no, I was at home watching, seeing it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, oh, wow. We just, I don't think that we know the magnitude of the moment. And I, mm-hmm. and I just really wanted to be present that I, that I knew that we're like, Hey, this is what, this is what's going on. And this is, you know, you're living through this thing. You know, and, you know we made our kids do, you know, video diaries, just yeah. a, a, right. Just like, this is the moment capture it. Like yeah. talk about thought today or anything like that. You know, this is valuable stuff that like to capture your, your feelings in the moment. Yeah. So yeah. absolutely. We have the, we have the kids writing journals as well. Uh, Andre Mack, you're a star dude. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Um, 
I don't know. We got to figure out a way to get some uh, the end sons ham tasting out to us in California, or we need to jump on a plane and head out to you in New York. Before we uh, jump off, where where can people uh, find you and where, where do you want us to send them? Um, you can just find me on Instagram. That's probably where I'm the most communicative or most reachable. Uh, so it's just Andre H. Mack um, at Instagram. That's my handle. Mm-hmm. I tend to text back rather quickly, but, you know. Give us the, give us the, um, the wine for the pandemic. If you had to pick what? a label. Yeah. Oh, oh, or a grape. I mean, you could, you could be vague, but. No, you know, what did I have last night? We, we drank a lot of... Um, no, we had no. That we didn't have a time. That wasn't last night. Last night we had Cabernet Franc. We were just drinking a lot of California stuff. Um, every now and then, raiding the, um, you know, the wine shop. But you know, champagne is always great. We've been drinking a lot of cider, low, um, you know, apple varietal cider from uh, Alan Burr. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we de- that was definitely we drank that out of Magnums as we watched Hamilton. That was great. Yes. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> awesome. Well, listen, we'll see you uh, next time you get out to Southern California. Let's make sure we uh, stay connected and hook up. Thank you. Definitely. Awesome. Thanks awesome. so much, man. Awesome. Thanks, Andre. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in your perspective here because I was reading, you know, reading the New York art, the article in New Yorker. Is mortadella ham no, or bologna. bologna? Bologna. But what's the difference between bologna and ham? Where are we? It's pork or no? So it is pork, but it, but it's basically it's, it's ground up in it, you know, the texture. When you see it, it's like smooth, right? But right. it's a texture. So it's kind of like um, like a force of, meat of some force meat that some force meat thing where the word. ham. Yeah, I know it's kind of crazy. <laughs> it would be a good band. Listen, I force think the, yeah. I think a band named Emulsified Force Meat is a decent band. <laughs> uh, I'll try not to make that the title of this episode. But. Yeah, uh, I got the design for the T-shirt in my head. <laughs> yeah.